Good to go, Jim? All right. Good morning, everybody. And uh, if we didn't see you last week, Happy New Year to you. Great to have each and every one of you here. Thank you and good morning to everyone who's tuning in on Facebook and YouTube. We are kicking off 40 Days of Purpose today. And we are going to start by worshiping the one who gives us purpose and who has given us a mission to follow him, to make disciples, to invite other people to follow him. Are you ready to worship with us right now? All right, let's stand together. Brought this one back to you last week. This is God is Able. Can't think of a better way to kick off this new series than to remind us that He is able. He is able. He is faithful. He is powerful. Let's sing, Kurt. God is able. He will never fail. He is almighty. Greater than all we see, greater than all we ask, He has done great things. Lift it up. Lift it up. He is the grace. Grace to life. 
with us. God is with us. God is on our side. He will make a way. Far above all we know. Far above all we hope. He has done great things. Lift him up. Lift it up.
scatter Cause they know the battle is done My God is stronger The victory is already won Yet he died for my ransom Rose up on the third day God is greater than death. No valley too low, there's no fear that I have. He doesn't already know, there's no problem too big, there's no weapon too strong, there is nothing for God that's impossible. There's no mountain too high, no valley too low, there's no fear that I have. He doesn't already know, there's no weapon there's no weapon strong. There is nothing for God that's impossible. That is some truth right there, my friends. Why don't you have a, a seat for a minute? Speaking of mountains and valleys and things of that nature, uh, so a young man named Corey Asbury, he wrote this next song that we want to introduce for you. Corey also wrote a song called Reckless Love that we've done here several times before you might be familiar with. So about this new song, Corey said the following. He said, we've all got personal Egypts. Uh, the places where we feel bound up, the places where we feel locked up or in bondage, those places can feel like or can seem impossible to get out of. Uh, when we're in those places, it can feel like we're having difficulty seeing God at work or, or hearing his voice. 
And perhaps it can feel like our emotions are creating boundaries that hold us back from connecting with God as if we're stuck in a building and can't find a key to get out. He goes on to say, there's a simple prayer that we can offer to God when we are feeling this way. We can pray, God, will you meet me in this place? Will you meet me here in my Egypt? Will you reassure me of your power to deliver me from this Egypt? And as we sing this next song, I encourage you to pray that prayer and invite the Lord to meet you right where you are. Whatever storm it is, whatever valley it is, whatever mountain you're facing, invite God to meet you right there. Because our God is a God who fights for you, who loves you, who cares for you deeply, and who wants to walk with you through it. Okay? So, this is Egypt. The wonder of how you brought Deliverance The exodus of my heart You found me, you freed me Held back the waters for my release Oh Yahweh the God You're the God who fights for me Lord of every victory, hallelujah, hallelujah. You have torn apart the sea, you have led me through the deep, hallelujah, hallelujah. How by day is a sign that you are with me. Guiding light to my feet, you found me, you freed me, held back the waters for my release. Oh, Yahweh, you're the God, you're the God who fights for me, Lord of every victory. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, you have torn apart the Let me through the deep, hallelujah, hallelujah. Sing it again, you're the God. You're the God who fights for me, Lord of every victory, hallelujah, hallelujah. You have torn apart the sea, you have led me through the deep, hallelujah. into my Egypt. You took me by the hand. You marched me out in freedom into the promised land. Now I will not forget you, Lord. I'll sing of all you've done. Let this swallowed up 
for his, his ability to lead us out of our Egypts and set us free to worship him because of it. Uh, we are going to do one more song with you before Pastor Gary comes up to kick off uh, our 40 Days of Purpose series. But before that, take a moment to greet some folks around you, and we'll continue with our worship in just a second. Thank you. folks let's make our way back to our seats but remain standing if you don't mind and we're going to go for a a quick dip in the sea of gratitude right now
we lift up our hands and we sing hallelujah. Hallelujah. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. 40 Days of Purpose starts now. All right. Good to see you guys. Uh, actually, I wasn't taking my cue. I was supposed to be coming up here while he was praying, and I was more caught up in the prayer and the praise and the worship than I was my taking my cue, uh, which is okay. That's okay. Y'all can give me some grace there. Uh, you know what? I just want uh, God is in this place. God is in this place. God is with you. God is for you. God loves you. God chose you. God cares about you. Uh, if you're watching today from either YouTube or from Facebook, I want you to know that God is with you and God is for you. Uh, today we're kicking off something that we're calling 40 Days of Purpose. Uh, if you have the Purpose Driven Life book, if you have the old book, there's 40 chapters. That's why it's called 40 Days of Purpose. If you have the new book, it's 42, all right? So you get two bonus chapters. And um, and also, uh, for anybody who's not a reader, uh, I earlier today, I downloaded the Audible version. There's an Audible version of the book. And it's actually read by uh, Rick Warren. It's kind of fun. I, I listened to it today, the very first chapter. Uh, it was kind of fun listening to Rick Warren uh, share the book in his own words. And it's kind of like you, you pick up on elements... It's like I read it differently from the way he reads it. And it, 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 I found it to be really, really refreshing. So if you're not as much of a reader, I want to encourage you to get the Audible version. Uh, if you have a friend that you want to invite to read it with you, uh, they're not a reader, they can get the Audible version. So just so you're aware of that. Uh, so we're going to be kicking this off. The way this is, we're, we're calling it a spiritual growth challenge because what we want to do is growing spiritually is something of a challenge. And what we want to do is daily, we want to read the daily readings that are in the book. So today is day one. Unless you're in Stephen Sandy's group, when was your day one? The sixth. The sixth. And uh, they kind of have an alternative reading schedule. So your group leader may have an alternative reading schedule they may want you to do. They may not. Uh, but if they do, uh, just read along with the rest of your group, and your group leaders will guide you in discussion of it. So what we'd like to see is we'd like to see everybody participating with us. That means being here each Sunday morning as I bring to you a message from it. Uh, as we, um, By the way, it's, I'm not going to bring you a message from the book. Uh, I'm going to bring you a message from the Word of God, okay? Uh, but in like today, today's outline is pretty much... I follow a lot of Rick Warren's outline, but I have adapted it. I've adapted it based upon my own understanding of the teaching of Scripture and uh, just based upon our own uh, context. Our context is a little bit different from their context. And so I've adapted it, and uh, I don't think you'll find any problems with that. We do have copies of notes. Does anybody not have a copy who would like to have a copy? Uh, because uh, Charles will run you a copy right now. So. Uh, we, we need a copy over here to Linda. Is that right? Oh, you have that copy. Okay, fantastic. And by the way, uh, there is a bookstore over in Vacaville. Dad, damn it, I can't remember the name of it. Um, Kathy Gray was telling me, uh, but there's a bookstore in Vacaville where you can get copies. She bought her copy over in Vacaville for $5. Uh, you just have to spend $4 on gas to get there. Uh, but uh, 
but but uh, but that is an option for you, which you're still saving money. You're still saving money, but uh, just so you know that. Uh, so we're going to kick this off today. So Rick Warren begins his book, and I think I've got this up on the screen, uh, but what it says here, it's not about you. Okay, It's not about you. This is the way he begins his book. It's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment. Okay, That's what Rick Warren says. He says the purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment. It is greater than your per, uh, peace of mind. It is greater than your happiness. It's far greater than your family. Now, a lot of people are going to kind of push against that one a little bit. Uh, but I want you to look at what Scripture says on this. It's greater than your family. It's greater than your career. I know some people who push back on that. But it's greater than your career. It's far more important than your career. Far more important. Uh, it is more, it's even greater than your wildest dreams and ambitions. I don't know what you dream about. I don't know what your ambitions are. But God's purpose for you is greater than that. Uh, so uh, if you want to know why you are placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You must begin with God. You were born by His purpose and for His purpose. And so, um, t- so the, the question is here. Uh, I'm looking at the wrong set of notes. Uh, so the question here for us uh, is, is what Rick Warren's saying here true? This is what Rick Warren says. But is what Rick Warren's saying true? Uh, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Because I believe that everything, I believe that the Bible is the first and final word on all matters of life and faith. Okay. The Word of God, the Bible, by the way, this book is more important to read than the purpose-driven life. If Rick Warren were here today, he would tell you, read your Bible first, then read my book. That's what he would say. So one of the things I'm going to encourage you to do is, please, don't stop reading your Bible daily. If you have to choose between reading the purpose-driven life and reading the book, or reading the Bible, read Scripture first. Okay? If you don't know where to begin, I'll give you a place to begin. Matthew chapter 1. If you read daily, just a chapter a day, you'll read through the entire New Testament in 260 days. If you read five days a week, you'll read through the entire New Testament in a year. If you want a different reading plan, we can talk about that. But one of the things that's really important is, and I see this all the time with people, people will read something from the Bible. They don't necessarily like what it says or how it says it. And what they do is sometimes they will want an explanation. You know what that means? Please explain this away for me. They want an explanation. Please explain this away for me. I don't like what this is saying. I don't like the implications. And what I want to say is that we must bend, we must not, must not, must not bend the Bible to our beliefs. We must not. We must always bend our beliefs to the Bible. Why? Because the Bible is the Word of God. It is our first and final word on all matters of life and faith. So so today we're going to look at some of what the Bible tells us about our life purpose, and we're going to test the thinking of Rick Warren by comparing it with Scripture. Okay? So uh, six things I want to share with you today, and number one is this, is that God has chosen you for a purpose. Did you know that? You were chosen by God. 
You were chosen by God long before you chose Him. Did you know that? You were chosen by God long, long before, before God created the heavens and the earth. You were chosen by God. In fact, the Bible says in, in, verse, uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it says, For He, God, chose you, chose us, in Him, Jesus, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in His sight. You, me, we were chosen by God before God created the heavens and the earth. You get to verse 11, uh, and this should be on our screen right now. You get to verse 11, and this is what the Bible says. It says, in Him, in who? In Christ. Okay, In Him, in Christ, we were also chosen. You see that? We're chosen. Chosen by God. We were chosen. Having been predestined. This is a word a lot of people don't like. And all I'm going to say is you can't really take a little exacto knife to your Bible and cut out the words you don't like. But it's in here. Okay, Whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not, that doesn't make any difference. This is what the Bible says. In Him, in Christ, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him. You see that? You see that word plan? God has a plan for you. God has a plan for me. In Him, in Christ, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him, of God, who works everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. Do you see this? God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has a will for you and me. And it is supreme. It is more important than anything else that we want or desire in life. Okay? And God has chosen you for this. And God has predestined you for this. So what I want you to see here is that God has chosen you for a purpose. The Bible says this in Romans eight twenty eight. Uh, I, I love this text of Scripture. Uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you are very familiar with it. The Bible says, we know, that in, uh, we know that in all things God works together for good, the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. You were called by God according to His eternal divine purpose. And you know what? That purpose is good. And did you know all the trauma and pain we feel in our lives? God is taking all that and wanting to make all of that good for you and for me. That, that, that God is working in all those things for good for those who love Him. Uh, but did you also know this? Did you know it's possible to resist and reject God's purpose for you? Did you know that? This is the great problem. With many people, even people who call themselves Christians, is that sometimes people actually resist God's purpose for their lives. They resist it. They do. Sometimes we resist the purpose of God. Sometimes people even reject God's purpose. Now, all my Calvinist friends really get uncomfortable when I say this. But let's read the Bible, okay? By the way, I come from a Calvinist tradition, okay? Uh, the Bible says this, but the Pharisees, this is Luke 7.30, it's not in your notes, but you can write it down, look it up later. In Luke 7.30, the Bible says this, but the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves. Wow. 
They rejected God's purpose. In, in 21st century North America, a lot of people resist and reject the very purpose that God has for us. So let's talk more about our purpose, okay? You were made for a purpose. I was made for a purpose. We were created for a purpose. We were chosen for a purpose. We were predestined for a purpose. We are called for a purpose. We are saved by God for a purpose. And, and the second thing I want you to see is this, is that God wants you to center your life around him. Now, a lot of times, this is what I see in people. This is what I see in people. And this is not just people in the world. This is people in the church. A lot of times I see people, they kind of have a plan for their lives, and then they kind of fit God into their plan. Okay? So this day I'm doing this. This day I'm doing this. This day I'm doing this. Uh, this day I'm doing this, this, and this. This day I'm doing this and this. And this day I'm doing this and this. Uh, I'll fit God here, right here. Sunday morning between 10 o'clock and uh, 11 o'clock unless... Gary goes long, which is every Sunday. Then it'll be 11.30. And if he goes extraordinarily long, it'll be 11.45. Okay? Uh, and, and what we do is we try to fit God into a box in our lives. And we organize everything else around our desires. And what God wants for you and what God wants for me is he, want us, he wants you and me, he wants us to center our lives around him. This is what, this is what Jesus says. Matthew chapter uh, 22 uh, he, a religious leader, asked him, what's the most important commandment? And a lot of you, you know this, you've memorized this. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 and 38, Jesus says this. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all, excuse me, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. And then he says this, this is the first and greatest commandment. This is the first and greatest commandment. Get this one thing right. You get this one thing right, you get a lot of other things right. Okay? That love the Lord your God with all of your heart. With a piece of my heart? With a piece of my heart? Should I only love God with a piece of my heart? No. You're supposed to be saying no, Gary. Thank you. Uh, should I love God with a piece of my soul? Okay. Uh, should I love God with a piece of my mind? Do you ever give somebody a piece of your mind? <laughs> yes, Gary, I heard that. Um, so, uh, you know, here's the thing is, is that God wants us to love him more than all things. I had this conversation the other day with a friend of mine uh, who, uh, uh, he's not a Christian. He's a great guy. He's a wonderful guy. And he believes in God. Uh, he would say that he is spiritual, depending upon how you define that. Uh, he's a really neat guy. He really is. I, I, I really like him. We see each other probably about once a week, at least every other week. And, uh, and we, we talk about different things, and most of the things are really mundane. But sometimes we actually talk about really important things, about God and stuff. And a while back, this was before my daughter Cass uh, had gotten married, before she was even engaged. And I, it just kind of came up in the conversation. It was very, very natural. It wasn't like something that was forced in. But he was asking me about the guy that, that, that Cass was dating. And I said, you know, there are three things, three things I look for in a man who married one of my daughters. He's kind of like, oh, yeah, well, what do your daughters look for? But I said, there are three things, three things I look for in a man who would marry my daughter. 
The number one thing is this, is they love Jesus more than anything else. That's the number one thing. And he was kind of like, okay, what's the number two? I said, that they will cherish my daughter. And he's like, okay, what's the number three? And it, that they can provide and protect, uh, provide for uh, a, a home and protect that home, care for them. And he says, what would be so bad about, you know, him loving your daughter more than Jesus? And I, this is what I told him. This is what I told him. And this was one of those kinds of conversations where we, we have permission to speak frankly. You know, we don't feel like we have to walk on eggshells with each other. I mean, you know, it's like he knows I'm a pastor. He knows that I'm a Christian, all that kind of stuff. And, and I know that he isn't. And there's really genuine respect for one another, respect for our differences of opinion. And I said, this is what I said. I said, this is what I, I think and this is what I believe. I think sometimes, a lot of times, the way we love people can be selfish. Okay? But sometimes we can love people selfishly. We love them for how they make us feel. We don't want anything bad to happen to them because of how it makes us feel. We don't want anything bad to happen to them because of how it makes us feel. We don't want to feel that pain, right? We, we want good things for them. Why? Because if they have good things, we'll feel better, right? And if we're not careful, what happens is, is that actually self is introducing itself into our love. It becomes an egocentric, a me-centered form of love. But I said that when we truly love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, we're now free to love with a kind of love that the Bible calls agape love. See, agape love is perfect love. Agape love is a love that wants the very best for you, regardless of what I think or feel. It's, it's, it's a love that is really centered in Jesus. And I said, that's why I want the man who would marry my daughter to love Jesus above all things. And, and this was his response. That makes sense. It was like, even though he's not a Christian, you know, even though he doesn't go to church anywhere, he was like, yeah, that makes sense to me. You know, it's like he wasn't offended by it. It was like just, and, and, and this is what God is wanting for you and me. He wants to be at the very center of our love, at the very center of our life. The center of our love, the center of our life. It's not supposed to be our career. It's not supposed to be our hobbies. It's not supposed to be, um, it's not even supposed to be our, 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 our family. It's supposed to be Jesus. Uh, Jesus said you have to be willing to leave everything to follow him. And, and so what God is wanting for you and me is he's wanting us to put him at the very center of our lives. He's wanting us to love and worship him above all things. Now, um, I could say more on that. We're going to move on. Third thing I want you to see today. I'm on the third thing, right? Yeah. Number three, God wants you to connect with God's people. He does. He wants you to connect with God's people. There's a difference between attending church and connecting with the people of God. You can attend a church and never connect with anybody around you. Did you know that? Uh, it, this happens a lot in large churches. People will go there. They're completely anonymous. They don't really know or connect with anyone else. By the way, 
This also happens a lot in smaller churches. Did you know that? We know faces, we know names, but the way we know the people around us is superficial. We don't necessarily know the inner longings of their hearts. We don't know their deep pains. We don't know their aspirations, their desires. We kind of know people up here at um, kind of in this upper uh, chamber, but not in the lower chamber of the heart. Uh, and, 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 where, and see, here's the thing is, is that, that God has designed you and God has designed me with a need to be known, and a need to be loved. And that's what we're talking about here, is a kind of connection where you are known and where you're loved. Where do we see this in Scripture? Uh, a couple of different places. is uh, First of all, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, the Bible says this, Let us consider how we may spur one another on. Okay? Uh, let us consider how we may spur one another on, uh, uh, spur one another on, toward love and good deeds. See, I need your encouragement. I do. I need your encouragement more than I need criticism. I need your encouragement. And more than my criticism, you need my encouragement, right? Isn't that what we really need is encouragement? I mean, most of us want to do what's right, and criticizing what's wrong really doesn't help us get better. But encouraging us in what to do right, in loving well, in loving well, in living well, that's what we need. We need encouragement. We need people around us who are like, they're there for us. They are our 2 a.m. friends. You need that. I need that. I need 2 a.m. friends. Steve, tonight I'm going to call you at 2 a.m. Uh, we need 2 a.m. friends. We need people, if it's 2 a.m. and there's, there's something terrible that's going on in our lives, we need to be able to call those friends. I need that. You need that. There are people around you who need that. We need 2 a.m. friends. We need friends in our lives who have refrigerator rights. We do. You know what I mean by refrigerator rights? They don't have to be politely ask you for a drink of water. They have permission to raid your refrigerator while you're watching the game this afternoon. Okay? They need permission. They need to be like family. We're supposed to be, in, in fact, it's really amazing to me. Almost never is the word Christian used in the Bible. I think it's only used two times. But the words brother, the words sister, are used far more time, far more times to talk about Christians. We need that kind of connection with one another. In uh, one of the things, one of the passages that was huge in shaping what we wanted to do when Joy and I moved here, uh, back in 1993, is we wanted, one of the things that shaped me was, I'm going to, you can jot these verses down or read them, okay? Uh, Acts uh, 2.41, you can just read down through the end of the chapter there. But in Acts 2.41, uh, the Bible says, So then those who had received his word, these are the people who hear the preaching, the teaching of Peter on the day of Pentecost. It says, So then those who received his word, uh, who basically believed in the gospel, those who received his word, the word of Peter, were baptized. Uh, and, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. So 3,000 people came to know Jesus the first day of the church, uh, the day of Pentecost. And this is what it says about them. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. That's what our small groups are about. Okay? That's what our small groups are about. So today, Joy's leading a small group for women. At 4 o'clock, okay? 
at 4 o'clock. And what they're going to do is they're going to uh, go through. They're going to study God's Word together. They are going to connect with one another. They are going to pray with one another. And they're going to break bread. So what that means is I'm actually going to raid their group when they start breaking bread. Okay? I am. But, but there's something about being in community with other people. We, we need that. And the Scripture says that the early Christians, day by day, they were continuing with one another in, um, uh, with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. I love that verse, breaking bread from house to house. So I'll be at your house tomorrow, okay? Uh, breaking bread, uh, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. Uh, uh, let's move forward because I've got... I don't want to go long, and I'm trying not to do that. But I have other things I want to share with you here. Well, I'm going to say this real quick, okay? Several things I think are important from the text of Scripture I just read to you. Number one, number one, if you have not done this, you need to be saved. You need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to turn from your sin. You need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you need to be saved. That's the first thing I'm going to tell you from that text. Second thing is this, is you need to be baptized. If you've never, never gone public with your, your decision to follow Jesus through baptism, I want to encourage you to do that. You can talk to me about it. We would love to, maybe at the end of this, this series, for anybody who would want to be baptized, I'd, we'd like to, to do that. Um, I, I did, the third thing is join a church family. I would like you to join this church because it's where I'm the pastor. And I really do. I love being your pastor. And I would like you to join our church. If you choose to join another church, I'll be sad. I'm not going to lie to you. It it feels sad to me. Every time I see someone who moves away, I feel like a piece of my heart goes with them. Because I really love the people uh, that I pastor. And Matt does too, you know. And Joy does too. And But we'd like you to choose this church. Choose this church, choose this church, choose this church. It's there in the Bible. No, it's not. But anyway, join a church family. Number four, commit to regular worship. You're not really a member of a church if you're not coming together consistently, worshiping God together. And then connect in a small group. Okay, the Bible doesn't say connect in a small group. But these were people who met together from house to house day after day. They were meeting in small groups. They just don't call it small groups. They were meeting day after day, house to house. Uh, is that we need that kind of intimate connection with other people. So, number four. Number four. God wants you to cultivate spiritual maturity. God wants you to grow in Christ. This is what the Bible says. So, let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Okay? Yeah, we need to know the elementary teachings about Jesus. But it says this, let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Now, the whole context of this this, uh, statement by the writer of Hebrews is this, is that he was going back to the Old Testament and showing how Jesus was present in the Old Testament. And yet we need to see how Jesus is present. In the Gospels. But we need to see how Jesus is, in, is present in all of Scripture. That everything in the Scriptures is either preparing us to, per, excuse me, preparing us for or pointing us to the coming of Jesus. Uh, and if you want to know more about how you do that, I'm happy to help you with that. Okay? Um, so what God wants us to do is He wants us to cultivate spiritual maturity. Uh, he wants us to grow in Christ. So, uh, let's talk about what does that look like. What does God want you to do? I would say, number one, 
God wants you to grow in Christ day by day. Okay? He does. He wants you to grow day by day. He wants you to, every day, He wants you to be growing in Christ. That's what He wants for you. Number two, spend time daily with God in prayer. That's what we do when we pray. We're coming together in prayer. Last week, last week, if you did not hear last week's message, go on Facebook, find it, watch it, and, and, and I talk a lot about prayer, and I talk about learning how to use Scripture to guide you in prayer. If you would like more help with this, we have coffee with the pastor every Wednesday at 4 o'clock. I'm happy to meet with you then. Uh, if you want to meet another time because you can't meet then, I'll set up a time. I am not that busy. I cannot meet with you. Okay? I can do this. But I'd, I'd love to talk to you about, about that. But, but spend time daily uh, with God in prayer. Spend time daily reading God's Word. That if, if Rick Warren were here and he knew that, that a person was reading The Purpose Driven Life every day, but they were not reading the Bible every day. I know this. I know what Rick Warren would say to you. I have, I have listened to enough of his messages. I've read enough of his books that I know what Rick Warren would say. He would say, first read your Bible, then read this book. First read your Bible. If you ask him, how shall I read? I'm pretty sure he would say, start in Matthew chapter 1, read a chapter a day till you read through your New Testament. After that, come back to me. I'll tell you how to build another reading schedule. But, but be in the Word of God every day. God's Word is you speaking to you. Some of you, I know you'll say, well, Gary, when I read the Bible, I don't really understand it. You know why? You know why? Because you need to read it a second time. Then a lot of what didn't make sense the first time you read it makes sense. But some of you are like, well, I've read it the first time, and I've read it the second time. I'm still struggling. You know why? Because you need to read it one more time. And usually it's after that first, third reading you're like, okay, now I'm getting it. You know, I may not understand everything about it, but I've got the big idea. And, and a lot of times we read a single chapter. Someone asks you later, uh, what did you read? You're like, well, I read my Bible. <laughs> and you'll, you'll, they'll say, well, what did you read in the Bible? Well, I read this chapter. But if, you, if they ask you, well, what was the chapter about? You'll be like, uh, it was about God. <laughs> you know? And, and sometimes you need that second reading of the chapter. And we're talking about, you know, most of us can read a chapter three times in about 20 minutes. Most chapters don't take more than about six or seven minutes. To, there are a couple of the longer chapters that will take you longer, but there are a lot of other chapters that will take you a lot less time. You know, you can read it in like two minutes. Uh, 23rd Psalm, how many verses is that? Six, seven, I can't remember. Anyway, uh, but, you know, I mean, it's, you can read it like two minutes and you're done. So, uh, read your Bible daily. For, uh, fourth, plug into, uh, uh, cultivate spiritual friendships. Cultivate spiritual friendships. That one of the keys to growing spiritually, this is what I've seen in my life. When I have a few guys that I'm connected with who are following Jesus together, I always do better in my walk with Jesus. When I'm trying to do my Christian life all by myself, I become very selfish. I become very selfish. I become complacent about certain areas of my life. And uh, my life begins to slide in a downhill direction. Okay? 
meaning I'm not moving towards Jesus. I'm moving into selfishness and self-centeredness. So I think cultivating uh, those relationships is key here. Number five, number five, we're talking about God's purpose for your life. Number five, God wants you to contribute something back. Now, some of you are thinking, oh, he's talking about giving. Well, I do think we should give. The Bible talks a lot about that. But more important than even giving financially is giving of yourself. One, this, okay, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. And I have said this many times. And I don't care if it offends anyone. All right? I am not really trying to avoid offending anyone when I say this. There are a lot of people who go to church like consumers. They are not disciples of Jesus. They are consumers of spiritual experiences and religious, I don't know, uh, uh, it's, it's like they are consumers. It's like they go there for an experience. They're consuming without really giving back, contributing back. They are content to be served, but they are reluctant to serve others. They want their life, their little ego to be at the center of what the church is about. And let me tell you, that's not why God made the church. Jesus is the center. Not me, not you. I'm the center, S-I-N-N-E-R, not the C-E-N-T-E-R. Uh, and I guess you are too. But, uh, but here's the thing is, is that we're not supposed to be consumers of, of experiences and services. I, I, you know... I've had people tell me they changed churches. Why? Oh, because they have better worship. I'm like, what do you mean better worship? What does that mean? Worship is better when you worship a great and awesome God. This morning, man, in our worship, it's God who is greater. It is God who is bigger. How does that song go? Greater, bigger, stronger, stronger. and, and I don't know if y'all were singing that song, but I was singing that song. And while I was singing that song, I had four mountains. Four mountains. Four. I, I was doing this, okay? Four mountains. Okay, that's eight. Okay, I was doing... I, I had four mountains. There were four things I was thinking about as I was singing that song. Uh, there were four different things that feel like mountains for me right now. And I was committing each one of those things to God while I was singing that song. I was worshiping God. I wasn't worshiping the music. I wasn't worshiping who's on stage. I wasn't worshiping the cool light show or the fog machines. I was worshiping a God who is greater, bigger, stronger, and all that other stuff. See, it's about God. It's not about an experience. It's about God. And we need to learn how to become contributors instead of consumers. Jesus said this, for even the Son of Man did not come to what? Be served. See, a lot of people, they go to church to be served. I want the church for this. I want the church for this. They've got a better preacher over here. They've got a better this over here. They've got a better this over here. They've got a better this over here. Look, do you know what God thinks about the churches of this community? Did you know in the eyes of God, every gospel-preaching church is like a child to Him? God doesn't love one church more than another because they have this program or this program. He loves the church 
every church, because they are filled with people He loves. We're a small church, but we serve a great God. God loves this church as much as any... God doesn't love Saddleback Church, where Rick Warren's from, more than Solana Valley Church. He doesn't. Jesus died for the people here, just like He did there. And what God wants us to do is not just come to church for what we get, but what we can give. Serve others. Okay. I'm going to tell this story because it's important. My son-in-law, Sean Franklin, he, he came to know Jesus when he was about 17. Yeah, you know how he came to know Jesus? He saw a copy of The Purpose Driven Life in someone's home. He was, he had, at that time, he had been living on the street for about two years. He was living out of a truck. He had his own job. He was working his own job. Uh, a lot of times he was uh, just sleeping in his truck. Sometimes he was sleeping on the couch of someone who would take him in. Uh, and there was this older woman who had a copy of this book, and he began to read it. That's how he came to know Jesus. About the same time, he plugged into. He plugged into a church that became his family. He plugged into a church that became his family. The pastor of that church took him under his wing and really nurtured him. And uh, probably when he was about 22... He thought, you know what? I know what it feels like to be hungry. You know what it feels like to be hungry? Living on the street. 17 years old, trying to find another job so that you can literally live. He knew what it was like to be hungry. And so he decided that he would start a ministry. He didn't take a spiritual gift inventory. I get really exasperated when people talk to me about this sometimes. Oh, we need to have gift inventories. Oh, yeah, I guess like the church in Jerusalem, you know, in, you know, 32, 33 A.D., okay? Like they used gift inventories. No, no, no. What he saw is he saw a need, and he met it. He saw a hurt, and he healed it. He saw something that needed to be done, and he didn't say, you know, somebody should do something about this. He saw something that, needed to be done. He said, I'm going to do something about this. For 10 years, my son-in-law has been feeding hungry people in Sacramento. He went to a grocery store, asked them, would you give me all your expired food to give to people who don't have enough money to buy it? And they said yes. He's been doing that for 10 years. Now he and my daughter are doing it together. They're doing it this morning while we're meeting here. They are this morning, giving food to hungry people. All of us can do something to serve someone else. You know, you, uh, you know, you can. You know, if y'all want to, you wants to start that ministry here, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. You're in charge, but let's talk about it. Okay, we'll help you build a team around it. But if that's what grips your heart and that's what God is wanting you to do to serve in this community, let's talk about it. Let's start doing it. All right. Don't say somebody needs to. Say somebody needs to and I want to. 
But it could be, you know, one of the things, you, you could sign up to be a greeter. Well, you don't have to sign up to be a greeter because we don't have a greeting thing to sign up for. You, you can say, hey, I would like to begin to, 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 you know, champion greeting in our church again. This is something we did so well prior to COVID, and we'd like to do this well again. And, you know, and let's, you can become a greeter. You can, you know, we want to relaunch our children's ministry again. We want to give our children a place where they can go and they can learn about Jesus. We want to relaunch that again. Uh, uh, you know, talk to me. Talk to Matt. Uh, but we, we want to do that. Uh, a lot of ways that you can serve. Uh, find a hurt and heal it. Find a need and meet it. But God wants you and me to contribute something back. He wants us to serve and not just be served. Finally, uh, number six, God wants you to communicate his love to others. He wants you to communicate his love to others. Uh, I, I like this translation, the New Living Translation on this verse, uh, not because it's a better translation, uh, but because uh, I think I memorized it in New American Standard, but I like it just because it's readable. So I put it for you in the New Living Translation. And uh, what that verse says is, is this. It says, you must worship Christ as Lord in your life. You must worship Christ as Lord in your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, if someone asks you, always be ready to explain it. This is the reason that we encourage people to write a hundred-word testimony. Write out your testimony in a hundred words. The reason we ask you to write it out in a hundred words, two reasons. If I ask you to write it out in a thousand words, you won't do it. You may not even do it if I ask you to do it in a hundred words. But the other thing is this. Most people don't want to hear a thousand-word reason. Most people want to hear you to be able to share with them in about two minutes why you follow Jesus. But, but um, what the Scripture says is that we, we always want to be ready to explain the reason for our hope in Jesus, but we want to do this in a gentle and respectful way. I'm not asking you to go up, bang on doors, you know, and when someone opens the door, you say, uh, just as there are physical laws to govern a physical universe, so there are spiritual laws that govern your relationship with God. Law one, God loves you and offers a wonderful plan for your life. Okay? Uh, I, I memorized the four spiritual laws when I was a kid. All right? So in all the scripture with it. So, and, and there's nothing wrong with, with sharing that with someone when you're invited to, but probably not what you do when you bang on someone's door. Okay? I would encourage you, don't bang on people's doors. All right? Um, uh, you know, for me, um, how, how do you do this? How do you communicate God's love to others? Some of you are already doing this. You're already on the way. You're already on the way. You are. A lot of you are already on the way of doing this. A lot of you aren't just on the way. You're doing it. But this is how you do it. Number one, love people. Can you do that? Can you love the people you live around? Can you love your neighbor? Jesus talks about loving your neighbor. Can you love your neighbor? Can you love your annoying neighbor? Maybe you're annoying to them. But love, love people. Number two, do this. Pray for people. Last week, I gave out a bunch of three-by-five cards. And I got them back. And I want you to know, if I got your card, I have been praying for you this week. By name, if your name's not on the card, I can't pray for you by name. Make sure your name is on the card, all right? First and last. 
Because sometimes we have more than one person with the same first name. Okay? But your name and then uh, something you want me to be praying for you about in 2023. When you did this last week, probably about at least a fourth of you, maybe a third of you, wrote down someone that you want to see come to know Jesus. And sometimes you didn't give the name. You, you just said, you know, it was a family member or something like this. But So don't think I'm giving away your prayer request if, I'm, if this sounds like I'm talking about you. Because you were just one of many people who wrote the same request. See, a lot of you are already praying for lost people in your life. The, the thing I would encourage you to do as you pray for people, don't just pray for family members. You want to see come to know Jesus. God has given you a fishing hole. He has. God has given you a God. Jesus said, follow me. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you to be fishers of men. You are called by God to be a fisher of other people. That's part of what it looks like when you follow Jesus. And God has given you, God has called you to be a missionary, and he has given you a mission field. He has, given, he has called you to be a fisher of men, and he has given you a fishing pond. What does a fishing pond look like? All right, so I have here your prayer request from last week. I have here your prayer request. Then I also have some three-by-five cards, and they have people's names on them. So these are my fishing holes. I'm not going to say you should have four fishing holes, okay? I have four fishing holes because I believe that God wants me to be fishing in these fishing holes. I spend very little time in this building. You know why? The ministry is out there. The ministry is out there. It's not in a building. The ministry is out there. The ministry has no walls. The mission field has no walls. So I have four ponds I fish in. And I know people by name at those fishing ponds, and those people know me by name. Uh, The first fishing pond is right across the street. Right across the street over here at Starbucks. I know a lot of those gals by name. A lot of them know me, and I pray for them. Another one of those fishing holes is over at Journey Coffee. I know those people by name. The last, last Wednesday, I probably spent two hours talking with David. I have some stuff I want to follow up with you on that. Okay? Spent probably two hours talking with David. So it's supposed to be coffee of the pastor. Nobody, nobody from the church was there, except for me and Matt. Matt had to leave early. And I spent about two hours talking with a guy who works there. Awesome talk. Awesome, awesome, awesome talk. Um, <clears throat> I, I have uh, another, uh, another fishing pond. It's my neighborhood. Joy and I, we make it a point to walk. We know people by name. We know them by face. We, some, no, many of them we know by need. But we pray for those people. We pray for those people. We believe that God has called us to love them. We believe that God has called us to pray for them. We believe that God has called us to be fishing right there in our neighborhood. Uh, my, fourth, my fourth fishing pond, I started on Tuesday of this week, this past week, on Tuesday. Tuesday or Monday? I don't know. Monday, Monday. Started on Monday. Uh, it's called Crunch Fitness. I've already met four people that I'm praying for by name. I'm praying for their salvation. I've already had four conversations, not pushy conversations. 
I, I didn't say, hi, I know Jesus, do you? I didn't do that. I just met them, just got to know them a little bit. So here's what you do. How do you communicate God's love to others? Number one, love people. You can't communicate God's love to people if you're not loving them. Number two, pray for them. Number three, greet people with a kind look and a, a kind word. Just a kind look, kind word. Just greet people. Be the first to say, hello, how are you doing today? Okay? Greet people with a kind look, kind word. Uh, number four, invite people into your home. Now, I'm probably not going to invite all those people that I told you about into my home. But I did invite over at Journey a while back. Joy and I, we did this group, four couples, uh, on marriage. And we invited uh, a few people from our church, but we invited a number of people from our community. And so one of the couples that we invited, I invited, was a young man who is a barista over at Journey Coffee and his fiance. Uh, and they have no plan on getting married anytime soon, but I invited them anyway. But I invited he and his fiance, who also works over there, to, to our, our group. But I invited them in. But, you know, just incl- you know, it doesn't have to be your home. It could be, you know, if you're going to, uh, you can invite them out for dinner. You can invite them to a movie. But just spending time with people, you know, not just spending time with these people right here. Sometimes that's what we do is we, we're only comfortable with these people and we only spend time with these people. And we do need to spend time with each other. But we need to spend time with people who don't know Jesus. Uh, uh, number five, invite someone to read the purpose-driven life with you. What if, what if you know the next Sean Franklin? What if you know the next Sean Franklin? The next person, just like my son-in-law, who sees the book, picks it up, begins reading it, and comes to know Jesus. You're already reading The Purpose Driven Life. Just invite them to read it. Give them a copy. Say, hey, this is great. Oh, by the way, my wife did this this last week. She gave a copy to a friend of hers that she works with, and he said he'd like to read it. But just, you know, invite someone to read The Purpose Driven Life with you. Number six, Invite people to be in your group with you. Call it a book reading club. Don't call it a small group. Call it a book reading club. I'm meeting with a book reading club. We're reading this book together. Would you like to join us? Or after the Purpose Driven Life, after this whole series is over, after you read it, maybe you and one other person, y'all can start a book reading club. And you can invite, you know, you invite a person, they invite a person. Hey, we're wanting to start... Uh, a book reading club, and we want to read this book, The Purpose Driven Life. Just invite them to do that with you. Um, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish this. Rick Warren begins his book, It's Not About You. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It is far greater. God's purpose for you is greater than all those things. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you're placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. I'm going to say what Rick Warren is saying is spot on. Very consistent with the teaching of the Bible. I hope I made that clear today. The Bible says this, in him, in Christ, in Christ, we were also chosen. You were chosen by God. We have been predestined uh, according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of 
His will. God created you for a purpose. Over the, 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 the next six weeks, or actually this week is week one, we are going to be looking at six different themes related to what it looks like to live out God's purpose. I want to invite everybody to participate with us. Let me pray for us. And worship team, you guys can go ahead and come on back up. Uh, God, I am so grateful that we are not just some kind of uh, cosmic accident uh, that evolved from a bunch of goo. Uh, That we were created in your image. We were created in your image. We were created by you. And we were chosen by you for your purpose. And, and Lord, um, my prayer is that we would find great joy in living your purpose together as a church. I pray, God, for uh, spiritual revival in our lives. Pray for spiritual renewal in our lives as we seek to live your purpose together. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Well, before we uh, close off our service this morning, I just want to announce a few things. Um, if you didn't know, we just kicked off our first day of 40 Days of Purpose, and our small groups are all starting this week, unless you guys already started Okay, the A-Court's still already started, but it's never too late to join. You can jump in at any time. So there are multiple women's groups, men's groups, co-ed groups. Um, Just look at the table at the back there. There's a sign-up sheet, so fill out your name and join a group. We'd love to see you there. Um, Tonight, also, we are having our revival prayer at 630 here at church. We would be honored to have you join with us here and just pray for a multitude of things. Our leaders, local churches, pastors, um, people we're praying for, sickness, health, anything. Um, You don't have to pray out loud, but come join us as a community, and um, we would just really like to see you here tonight. Um, And then also, we just appreciate all of you who are faithfully giving. Our mission has not changed here at the church. It stays the same. We want to see people say yes to a lifetime of following Jesus. Um, So, again, we just appreciate your generosity there and um, your desire to worship God through giving in this way. There are several different ways that you can worship through giving, and you can find them all on our website at solonavalley.org forward slash giving. And at this time, I just want to ask you to stand with us and join with us as we sing our last song. Thank you so much, Elsa. Well, it's a big football day, so I called an audible. Called an audible and changed our closing song. And we're going to sing about our bigger, better, stronger, and greater God one more time because it just feels like the right thing to do.
God is so much better than all of these things. So I won't be shaken. No, I won't be moved. My God is faithful. His promise is true. The battle is done. My God is stronger. The victory is already won. Yes, He died for my ransom. And rose up on the third day. My God is greater than death.
and uh, plug on in, and we will see you next time. See you in a group this week.